Good morning. Want to reiterate what Brother Dale said this morning and just say how good it is to see all of you here. It's such a blessing to be together this morning on the first day of the week to worship our God in spirit and in truth. If you have your Bible with you, will you take it out, please, and go over into your New Testament to the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Will you go to Matthew's Gospel and study with me this morning? During our Sunday and Wednesday Bible class videos, this month, in the month of September, we have devoted ourselves to studying the parables of Jesus. In an effort to keep us focused on our theme this year as a congregation, which is experiencing the fullness of Christ, we're studying the parables of Jesus, and we've made the point that when it comes to the parables taught by the Lord, the parables are stories that are true to life. They are true to the natural world, but they're designed to teach something spiritual. They're designed to help people think on a deeply spiritual, mature level. That is the purpose of the parables of Jesus. And let me ask you this morning that out of all of the wonderful and powerful parables taught by the Lord, which ones stand out to you the most? Which ones do you like studying the most? Which ones do you even find yourself thinking about the most? Is it the most famous ones like the parable of the sower and the prodigal son and the good Samaritan? Is it the ones that have to do with the judgment of God that will come upon the nation of Israel? Is it the ones about prayer or, or forgiveness or, or maybe even stewardship? What about these right here? What about the parables about the kingdom? What about the parables that have to do with the rule and the reign and the authority of God. What about the parables? They give us vital information about the church or the kingdom or the spiritual body that would be established by the Lord through his redemptive work on the cross. Are you in Matthew chapter 13 this morning? I want to start reading with verse number 31. In this lesson, I want to study with you some more parables of Jesus, particularly I want to study with you some kingdom parables this morning. I want to study with you some parables that have to do with the kingdom or the church that our Lord would establish. And I want to talk about the blessings that would come to those who would be citizens in it. So you were Matthew 13. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 says this. It says, he, referring to Jesus, presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until 
it was all leavened. I want you to notice carefully with me what Jesus says here about the kingdom of heaven. Do you see it? Notice what Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven. Notice how in these passages, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as being like a mustard seed. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Someone says, what is a mustard seed? Well, for those of you who love to garden, you understand exactly what a mustard seed is, right? You understand exactly what the Lord is talking about here in this in this parable. You know that when small seeds are planted in the ground and given enough water in time, they can produce things great. In time, they can produce enormous things in time. They can produce things that are way larger than they are when planted in the ground. They can produce huge trees. Huge plants, huge crops. Many of you know firsthand that that is what seeds, little seeds are capable of doing. And that's what Jesus says his kingdom was going to be like. According to what Jesus says in this parable. He says the kingdom of heaven, his body, his kingdom, his church. It would be like a mustard seed. It would be like a little small seed that in due time, it would eventually produce something great and wonderful. It would produce something massive. It would actually produce something like a tree sized plant up to 10 feet that is strong enough and sturdy enough for the birds to come and rest and begin to make their nest. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And notice, secondly, how he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It's like leaven. Someone says, what is leaven? Well, simply put, leaven is yeast. Leaven is a fermenting agent that is used to make dough rise. It is something that even in small portions can influence and change an entire lump of dough. It can change its size. It can change its shape. It can even change its taste. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I gotta tell you that that is a very interesting example that the Lord uses to describe his kingdom. It is very interesting to hear Jesus describe his kingdom as being like leaven because the fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, typically in the Bible, in the scriptures, leaven is not used as an illustration to talk about something good. Typically in the Bible, leaven is not used to talk about something that is holy and precious and useful to the Lord. Instead, typically in the scriptures, when leaven is used as an illustration or as an example, it's being used to talk about something bad. It's being used to talk about something sinful. It's being used to talk about the impact that sin can have on somebody's life. That's exactly how the Lord uses the example of leaven in Matthew 16 and verse 6. In Matthew 16 and verse 6, Jesus tells his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. There, when Jesus uses the word leaven, he's using it to talk about influence. He is saying, beware of the sinful and ungodly influence of the Pharisees. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when urging the church in Corinth to practice discipline on the behalf of a brother who was in a immorality with his father's wife, Paul told them they need to do that because a little leaven does what? It leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. The idea there is if this church did not deal with this brother that was in sin in due time, his sin would start influencing other people to sin. In time, this brother's sin would actually contaminate the whole local church. Again, typically in the Bible, when leaven is being used as an example or an illustration, it's being used to talk about something bad. It's being used to talk about something sinful and unholy and just useless in the eyes of God. That is how leaven is usually used in the scriptures, but that's not how Jesus is using it here in Matthew 13. Here in Matthew 13, Jesus uses the example of leaven and a mustard seed to talk about his kingdom. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And it's also like leaven. I submit to you this morning, my dear friends, that in these parables, Jesus is using a mustard seed and leaven to talk about the growth and the influence of his kingdom. He is saying that like a mustard seed starts out small, but it eventually grows into something great that's exactly how his kingdom was going to be. That's exactly how his church or his body was going to be like a mustard seed. The church, the kingdom, the spiritual body, it would also start out with a small, humble beginning. But in due time, it would grow into something great. In due time, like we read in the book of Acts, it would grow into something massive. It would actually become something where the birds of the air, in this case, lost people like us. We will be able to come into it and enter into it and find safety, security and spiritual rest and fellowship with God. When Jesus says the kingdom is going to be like a mustard seed, he means it's going to start out very small. And it did. But in due time, he would grow into something massive and wonderful. And when he talks about the kingdom being like leaven, you know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the impact of the kingdom. He's talking about how his kingdom, his people, his church, how they would impact the world. He's talking about evangelism. He's talking about the godly influence of his people in a, in a sin-sick world. He is saying that by promoting the glorious gospel, his kingdom, his church, his body, they have the ability to change the world. They have the ability to turn the world upside down. That is exactly what was going on in the first century. And Acts 17 and verse number six. Because of the evangelistic work of the Apostle Paul in the city of Thessalonica, the enemies of the gospel said these words. They said, these who have turned the world upside down, they've come here also. 
Notice how the brethren in the first century, they were turning the world upside down. You know what that means? That means they were wreaking, wreaking havoc on the influence of Satan in the world. It means that they were changing the world one soul at a time. It means that they were impacting the world like leaven. They were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. That's what was going on in the first century. And I want you to really appreciate that, okay? I want us to really understand that this morning. Listen carefully. Listen carefully to me right now. This morning, I want us to understand that while as Christians, while as Christians, we need to be involved in the political process. We need to vote. We need to be involved in the political spectrum. I don't want anybody here this morning to accuse me of saying otherwise. While as Christians, we need to be involved in the political process. At the same time, we need to understand this. We need to understand that if we are expecting our government to be our savior, if we are expecting our government to change people's hearts and bring them into the kingdom of God and convert them to Jesus, which is sadly mistaken. We're just sadly mistaken. We're just sadly misinformed. We're just sadly either not familiar with the teaching of Jesus in parables like this, or we just, we're just not sold on what the Lord is saying here. You see, according to what the Lord is saying, and according to what the, the apostles teach throughout the scriptures, people are not converted to the Lord and brought into the kingdom of God by laws passed by the government. They are not brought into the kingdom of heaven by laws passed by the government. Instead, according to the scripture, people are converted to the Lord and they're brought into the kingdom of heaven by the godly influence and evangelistic work of Christians. They're brought into the kingdom of God by the teaching of the gospel. That is how disciples in the first century turned the world upside down during a time of a corrupt Roman government. And that is exactly how we can do the same today. We don't turn the world upside down by putting our faith in the government. We turn our world upside down today by putting our faith in the gospel. By teaching the gospel. By changing the world one soul at a time, teaching about Jesus and in every place that we can. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It starts out small and it grows and it grows and it's continuing to grow today. And it's also like leaven. Us, his people, we have the ability to change the world by teaching the gospel. But not only does Jesus say that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed in leaven. I want you to go back to the chapter. Look at some more parables with me this morning. There's so many in here. And I want you to look now at verse number 44. Look at verse 44 this time, please. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Notice here again what Jesus is saying about his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. 
First, notice how in verse 44, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. It is like a treasure hidden in the field. Now, I know, I know that that parable may sound weird and strange to us living in the 21st century today, but I promise you, I promise you it didn't sound unfamiliar and strange to Jesus' audience in the first century. You see, due to the threat of war, and because there was no reliable banking system like we have today, we got to understand that during the time of the first century, it was not uncommon for people to bury valuable things in the ground. It was not uncommon for them to use the ground like we use a bank or like we use a safe. And sometimes when people did that, they forgot to tell other people that they did that. And after they died, as time went by, guess what would happen? That's right. Someone would stumble upon it. A stranger would accidentally find their buried treasure. And in the case of this man that Jesus talks about, notice how the Lord says that once he finds this treasure, he then hides it. He hides it again, and then he goes to immediately liquidate his assets. He goes to immediately liquidate his assets so that he can then go and purchase the field legally and then be able to legally obtain the buried treasure. He knows that this treasure he found is way more valuable than all the stuff he had before. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a hidden treasure. And, and then when you move to this parable about the costly per, a pearl, th there Jesus talks about someone who finds a pearl of great value and he sells all he has to buy it. He sells all that he has to obtain it. He, he, he goes and he gets rid of everything he has because he wants this pearl. He wants it so bad. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a hidden treasure. And it's like a costly pearl. I submit to you that in both of those parables, the Lord is talking about the same thing. In both of those parables, the Lord is talking about the immense value of his kingdom. He is saying that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything in the world. It's more valuable than expensive cars. It's more valuable than the wealth of Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett combined. It's more valuable than expensive jewelry or expensive real estate, or a bunch of college degrees, and all the power and respect that people can give you in this life. According to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than any treasure that can be found in this world. The question is, do we believe that? Do we understand that? Are we really sold on that? When I was a little boy, one of my favorite movies that I watched a lot was a movie called The Sandlot. Any of y'all ever seen The Sandlot? I'm dating myself a little bit. The Sandlot, movie that came out in the early 90s. 
The Sandlot is about a boy named Scotty who likes baseball. He likes to play baseball every day with his friends, but one day as he's going out into the field to play baseball with his friends, he takes a ball with him that had actually been signed by Babe Ruth. It had actually been signed by one of the greatest players in the history of baseball, and at the time, Scotty didn't have a clue who Babe Ruth was. And so he takes this ball to go and play with his friends, and unfortunately, one of his friends hits this ball all the way into the backyard of someone who has a vicious dog, and they then got to spend the rest of the movie trying to get the baseball back. They had to spend the rest of the movie trying to get back something that was really priceless. Now, the reason I tell you that, that story or about that movie is because I fear, I fear that that is exactly how so many Christians are when it comes to being part of the kingdom of heaven. Unfortunately, I fear that for so many Christians, they really don't realize what they have when they're part of the kingdom of heaven. They really don't realize how blessed they are. They really don't realize that they have something. They're part of something that is worth everything. It is worth giving up any sins that we may have in our lives. It's worth our time. It's worth our service. It's worth us being here to worship God this morning. It's worth us sticking with Jesus and being Faithful to him, no matter what problems may come our way. Because it provides fellowship. And the relationship with God, the kingdom of heaven, is more valuable than anything. It's like a treasure, a hidden treasure. And it's like a costly pearl. And then finally this morning, I want to say this, the kingdom of heaven is also like a net. It's like a net. Do you know where I'm going now? I'm going back to Matthew 13. I'm picking up with verse 47. Verse 47. Matthew 13 and verse 47. Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers. But the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and throw them and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice how this parable here is very different than the parables we've studied so far, right? Whereas the previous parables talk about the growth and the influence and the blessings of the kingdom, this one talks about judgment. It talks about judgment on the kingdom. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is cast into the sea and it brings back fish of every kind. The idea there is in the kingdom of heaven, in the body of Christ, in the church of our Lord, you have people in it who come from all different facets of life. You got people of different physical races in the kingdom. 
You got rich people, you got poor people, you got educated people and uneducated people. You got people who from all across the country, all around the globe. You got some people who were baptized as teenagers and others who were who were not baptized until much later in life. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a net that is cast into the sea. And he brings back fish of every kind. And, and once those fish are brought to the shore, they're, they're then sorted out. They're then sifted through the good ones, the edible ones, the healthy and clean ones. They are placed in containers and they are kept while the bad ones, the smelly ones, the ones that are not edible, they're thrown away. They're tossed away. They they are separated completely and forever from the good ones. Jesus says that at the end of the age, and I think when he says end of the age there, he's talking about end of the world. At the end of the age, at the end of the world, that is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen at the end of the age. You see, contrary to what those who advocate universalism believe, everybody's not going to be saved. Everybody is not going to go to heaven. In fact, everybody, even in the kingdom of heaven, is not going to go to heaven. Jesus says that we may currently be part of the kingdom right now. And we may be currently here worshiping God and we're going to sing these songs together and we're going to pray. and We're going to study and we're going to shake hands and hug each other if we're comfortable with that. We're going to do those things because we're a family and we may be doing those things today. But if we're hypocrites, if we're pretenders, if we're the kind of people who act one way in this place and another way out there in the world, Jesus says he knows about that. And when he comes again at the end of the age, he's going to deal with that. He's going to deal with us. He's going to bring judgment of, on us. His angels are going to separate us from those who are on their way from heaven. And he's going to cast us into hell. He's talking about hell there. Jesus says. That's what's going to happen. And when you look at another parable in this chapter, the parable of the tares, the wheat and the tares, are you familiar with that? That's the same point. It's the same idea. In both the parable of the net and the parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus is teaching that if we are not authentic disciples in our daily lives, when the end comes, he's going to separate us from those who are authentic disciples. He's going to separate us from the wheat. He's going to separate us from the good fish. The Lord promises that that's what's going to happen. The question is, if that happened today, which it could, which group would you be in? What kind of fish would you be if you sit there this morning and realize that you're in the bad group, the bad fish, the tares? If that's you, you're on the outside looking in. God has blessed you with a remarkable opportunity. He's blessed you with an opportunity to change your situation. He's blessed you with an opportunity this morning to become a good fish, to become a wheat and not a tear, to become an authentic and genuine disciple 
so that you won't be separated from the righteous at the end of the age. And so if there's someone here this morning and you need to enter into the kingdom of heaven for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism in water for remission of sins, or if you're someone who is technically part of the kingdom but you've strayed away, if you need to repent and come back home, you have an opportunity to do that right here and right now. And if we can help you with that, let us do that. Let's stand. Let's sing together.